God is in this place, and, and he is ready to engage with you. Would you remain standing for just a moment? We're going to read some scripture together. If you have a Bible, you can get a head start. I'm uh, going to be in Genesis 37. I love preaching when the kids sing because everybody moves up. I mean, I'm seeing people on the front row that you ain't, you never sit on the front row. You never up on the second or third row. You're like back in the back somewhere. I, first time I've ever seen your face in like four years. It's amazing to see you up here so close. So welcome to the shouting spitting section because uh, if I get excited, that's what might happen to you today. Genesis 37 uh, is where I am. And if you don't have a Bible, a great app to use, a great tool for you is Uversion. Encourage you to download that app. Another helpful tool is called Bible Hub. When you're studying scripture, uh, one of our core practices is daily devotions. And many times when you're studying scripture, you have no idea what the scripture's saying, right? Like, I don't know what this means. Can I get an amen? Anybody raise your hand. You've ever read a scripture and you have no idea what it's saying. The rest of you have never read scripture, I guess. Um, you got to dig into the word sometime and you'll figure that out. I mean, I'm telling you, it happens to me on a weekly basis. I'm like, I don't even have any idea. And I've studied this stuff over and over. That's a great app. Um, has uh, words and commentaries, all kinds of great stuff. Really easy tool to use. Just encourage you to download that as well. And on the U version is where our daily devotion is found. Uh, we're going through its Advent season, so we have a devotion through the month of December that's keeping us focused on the Advent season. So our series is called Forgotten Fields. So often you can feel like you're in a forgotten field, that you have these hopes and these dreams and these aspirations and things that you're believing for, praying for, but you're still over here wondering if God sees you, do people see you, have my dreams passed me by, has my miracle passed me by, and you feel like you're over here in this field. And so for the next few weeks, we're talking about, started last week, talking about these shepherds in scripture who were out in these fields and looking at where they were at and what they were dealing with in their own lives. Today, we're looking at uh, the story of a guy named Joseph. And I want to talk to you today about unexpected fields, unexpected fields, uh, Genesis 37. And if you don't know, maybe you're new to scripture and you don't know who Joseph is. And honestly, it's easy to get all these names confused over time. But if you ever heard the guy with the coat of many colors, that's Joseph. That's the story we're getting ready to read. Uh, Joseph's dad that we're going to talk about next week, his dad, Jacob, we're going to look at him next week. He gave it, Joseph this amazing coat because Joseph was his favorite. Not supposed to show favorites, but he did. And the brothers were all jealous of him. Then Joseph has these dreams, a couple of dreams and these crazy dreams. We won't read them today, but in these dreams, he saw himself in authority. He saw himself in a place of power and leadership. And he shared that with his dad and his mom and his brothers and said that they were all going to be bowing to him, and they did not like that at all. His brothers were incredibly jealous of him. And this is where we pick up the story is that Joseph's uh, dad says, hey, go out and check on your brothers because they're out in the field with the flocks. And he says, go, just go check on them. He's like, okay, cool. So he's headed out into the fields, has no idea what's about to happen. Verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. That's how jealous they were. Here comes that dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father wild animals eating him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. There are dream killers out there. 
But when Reuben heard of the scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. He's like, no, let's not kill him. Why should we shed blood? Let's, let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he's going to die without us laying a hand on him. And Reuben, though, was actually secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And then just as they were sitting down to eat, that's crazy. They throw their brother into this well and then they just sit down and have a party. So as they were sitting down, they, they looked up and they saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, hey, what, what do we get by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Yeah. Instead of hurting him, hey, let, let's sell him to these traitors. After all, he, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. Oh, yeah, that's no big deal. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him off as a slave. That way we don't feel guilty. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, jo came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the well, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and then the traders took him to Egypt. I want to talk about unexpected fields. Father, we ask as we study your scripture here for a few minutes that you would speak to us. Help us to, help us to grab some hope and healing and peace and purpose today in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Okay, now you can sit down. I don't know if you got a chance uh, to take a vacation at all this past summer, but Laura and I got to go to one of our favorite places on the planet, Breckenridge, Colorado. We love Colorado and love the mountains in the, in the summertime. And we also have one of our sons that lives in Denver, so we got a chance to go see him. And so uh, we took off for, for uh, driving. We drove all the way there to Colorado. And as we were somewhere in the middle of Kansas, I was sound asleep and resting. It wasn't my shift, and so Laura was driving. And I woke up, and when I woke up, it was incredibly hot in the car. And I had a blanket on me, so I took the blanket off, and I was still kind of half awake, and I, and I, but I still felt very, very hot. And I was like, what's going on? And I said, do you have the heat on? And I should mention, this is August, by the way. It's August and, uh, and we're in the middle of Kansas. And so she's like, no, and I, are you hot? She goes, oh, a little bit. And, and I was like, it feels like the heat is on. And I put my hand on the air conditioning vent, and there was hot air coming out of it. And I looked down, and the air conditioner was on, but there was warm air coming out of the vent. Did I mention that it was August and it was Kansas? It, I mean, at this point, we're like four hours into the drive, and I'm like, ah, what do we do? <laughs> this is, and so I'm messing with all the dials. I'm, you know, I'm beating on the side of the dash. I'm laying anointing oil on it in the name of Jesus. Please, God, do some of work your miracle right now. I was just anything I could to try to get this thing to work again. I'm non mechanical, so I don't know what to do. And then it hit me. I know what I'll do. I'll get on YouTube. Come on, somebody. If you don't go to scripture, you go to YouTube. Come on. Because they, they have a tutorial for everything. And, and not, I'm not kidding you. I put in the, the year, the make, and the model of Laura's car, and I said it's blowing hot air, and three videos came up for it. That's YouTube for you right there. And so the, the first one that I, I saw, it said, quick, easy fix. That's the one, right? That's the one you're going to. I was a little suspicious, though, because it was nine minutes. 
And it's like, nine minutes, that's a little long. So I, I jumped on this video, and this guy likes, all right, so here's what you do. You're going to take off the dash. Take off the dash? Yeah, and he's like, super easy, and he pulls off this dash, and he's like, you get underneath and see these little pins. You pull the pins, and you reach up through the blower unit, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, right. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pull off at a truck stop. Hey, Billy! Hey, because if you yell Billy at a truck stop, there's three guys that are going to turn. Got a crescent wrench I can borrow? No, I didn't do that. I'm not going to do that. I go to the next video like anybody else would do. Next guy was great, though. He said, listen, try this first. I love those videos. And he, he said, you pop the hood and you just pull out the fuse. And I'm like, I like this guy a lot. I'm going to like his page. I'm going to subscribe and I'm going to follow. As you should on our YouTube channel as well. <laughs> Just a plug there for it. So we pull off at the gas station, and I, and I pop the hood, and I you know, kind of look like I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, so I'm watching the video. I'm like, where, where are these fuses? Like, he showed it so easy, but I don't see them. And I finally found them. Pulled out the fuse. He said, blow on the fuse. Put it back in. If it doesn't work, we'll go to the next step. I blow on the fuse. I put it back in. Air conditioning pops back on. That's right. I'm that good. I'm that good. So it was great because Laura had gone in and she came back out and she goes, it's working? I go, yeah, baby, your man's got it. It's working now. Of course I got it. You know me, I got it. So I didn't have it because then when we turned the car, I got into the car to drive from there, there was a check engine light. Like we're four hours into this trip at this point. I'm like, oh, what? And the car's running fine, but I'm like, okay. What do we do now? So I'm like, okay, we'll just go to AutoZone because they, they can do the diagnostic thing. I don't know if you knew that, but they can hook it up real quick. So I pull into the AutoZone. I go in, and I know I'm in trouble right away because the kid behind the counter is like 12 years old, you know. <laughs> hey, excuse me, could you put down your TikTok video? I need some help here, buddy. <laughs> okay, all right. And so anyway, he, he runs the diagnostic thing, and he comes back, he's, you know, and he's like, hey, it says here that it's your transmission, and you should see a mechanic immediately. And I'm like, What? No. And so Lorna then are, I mean, the vacation is just not, I, all the excitement gone, all the joy, all the fun gone in that point. I mean, and all I'm, I'm, I'm in panic mode. Do we go back and get the other car? Well, that's like four or five hours back. Do we, do we keep moving forward? That's another six, seven. Do we rent a car, leave our car here? I, I mean, I just don't know what to do. And, and the car was running well. And so we said, well, let's just chance it. You know, and let's just take off and let's just see what happens. And, and, and it, ran, it ran well, but every time I stopped at a, at a, to get gas and I turned the car back on, I was like, come on, baby, you can do it, you can do it. Yes! You know, because I just didn't know. The whole trip, I'm just wondering, what is this light? What is it, is, is it going to go from bad to worse? Is it going to get better? I, I was just, I was frustrated and I was trying to enjoy the trip. And I know some of you right now is like, what was it? What was it? That's what Curtis is asking right here in the front row. What was it? So we get back. We, anyway, the, to bring some conclusion for you, Curtis. When we get back after our trip, come to find out, it was that we just pulled the fuse out and put it back in, and that caused the check engine light to come on. And I was like, whoo! You know, the, the life is full of unexpected events. Like, you're just going along, everything's great, and then, boom, something hits you, doesn't it? Everybody's had that happen to us, and, and, and sometimes it's not that big a deal. It's, it's, a, it's a fuse, but 
But many times it's, it's, it's not. It's, it's a big deal. You, you get that um, unexpected phone call. Like you look down and you, you recognize the name and you're like, they never call. Why are they, why are they calling? And then you answer and there's a pause. Or you get that, that text from somebody and, and, and they say, hey, I need to talk to you as, as, as soon as you're available. And you're like, oh my goodness, I, I'm gonna make myself available. And you call that person and then there's, or you have the unexpected conversation, you're just talking with somebody and then something comes uh, like a left hook and hits you in a conversation and they say something to you that causes you to go back and you're like, wait, Wait, what? Or you get that unexpected report, you go in for a routine exam, and then they say it's this, and then you go for this, and they don't know what it is, and the unexpected happens to all of us, and in, the, in those moments, is, is so much uncertainty begins to set in, doesn't it? You're like confused, you're like, I, what do I do with this? Am I going to get through this? Nothing else matters. Does that not weird? Like the things that mattered for your day, the spreadsheet, the work, the kids, the, the practices, the, the none of that matters. You don't care about any of that stuff because, because this thing is, is right in front of you. This is Joseph. Joseph found himself in an unexpected field, and, and, and so he's going to check on his brothers. That's <laughs> all he's doing. I just go check on my brothers, see how they're doing. And he has no idea. What's about to happen? Look back at verse 23. When Joseph arrived, his brothers, say it with me, they did what? They ripped off the beautiful robe. Come on, say that with me. What? They ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. When we were in uh, Breckenridge, we, Laura bought me this, um, this amazing throw blanket. I, I brought it. I had this, uh, if you were here like six weeks ago, you probably remember I, I preached and I, Laura had got me this amazing blanket. And uh, I, th- I love this thing because it's made out of hoodie material. How awesome is that? And it fits me. And I love this thing. And I got it home and I opened it up as a surprise gift. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was, I love, I love this, this throw blanket. It's just become like my Let's become my blanket. <laughs> and uh, to help with this story, I should also mention that we have a great Dane. His name is Otis, and he weighs about 145 pounds, and he too likes blankets. This is him. He loves, <laughs> he loves blankets. And uh, he also has issues. He's a dog with issues. He, um, anybody got a dog with issues? So, yeah, okay. He's got hard enough to have kids and siblings and parents and spouses with issues, but to have animals. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. So he's got separation anxiety, so we have to put a, um, a shirt on him when we leave that, that kind of snuggles him, and it helps him actually with his anxiety and his stress. And Laura and I left one day, and we f- forgot to put the shirt on him, and he had a mental breakdown, and he took it out on my blanket and yeah yeah that's Otis he uh, lost it and he ripped a big hole in my favorite blanket there's no fixing this people 
There's no, there's no sewing this up and it's going to be okay. I know some of you are like, I can fix that for you, Brad. No, you can't. No, you can't. I mean, basically, it's, it's a poncho. That's all it is now. It's a, it's a poncho. So, oh, this thing is absolutely ruined. And so when I, when I think about Joseph, I think like he, he, had, he had this robe that, that, that his dad made for him and, and his brothers didn't just take it from him, they ripped it off of him. Life was ripped from him in that moment. And what's interesting for, for Joseph is, is that for him, is he, he went through all of this. Life was ripped from him, yet in the midst of all of it, he never lost his confidence or his faith in God. Like life was, was ripped, was torn away from him, but he kept his confidence in God. And, and what's sad is this was just the beginning for Joseph. I mean, this once beautiful robe that he has, it's ruined. It can't be repaired. It can't be put together again. It's, it's all messed up, and, and it's just going to go from bad to worse. I think all of us, if not most of us, can relate to having something beautiful ripped from your life. You ever had something beautiful ripped from your life? I was talking with a good friend of mine, and he um, has a couple of kids, and his wife got pregnant, and um, it was an unexpected pregnancy. They weren't trying, and and he was like, ah! And but then they they got excited. They started getting really excited about this child, and so they were going in for a, a routine ultrasound, and she was at about 15 weeks. And when they went in and they did the ultrasound, the nurse looked a little bit puzzled and perplexed and, and, and is checking and checking. And, and there was no heartbeat. Talk about unexpected fields. And, and he, um, he has some, a couple of boys and and he said, he said to me, we uh, never got our girl. What do you do when you find yourself in unexpected fields? Like Joseph, Joseph, it, it, this, this robe ripped from him wasn't the worst of it. Then he's going to get thrown into a well, and then not, that's not the worst of it. They're gonna, his brothers are then going to sell him off into slavery, and then he's sold off into slavery, but then it gets worse from there. Now he's a slave in Egypt, and then once he's in Egypt, then he's falsely accused, and he ends up in prison. He is so far from his dream at this moment, yet we see in the story, if you were to read the entire story, Joseph never lost his confidence or his faith in God. His, and I believe that his life and his response shows us how to prepare for these unexpected fields. Look, look, at, look at verse 13. It says, Jacob, this is before he goes out to see his brothers. Jacob said this to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready. Turn to somebody and tell them, get ready. Get ready. You got to get ready for unexpected fields. I wish I could be the great encourager and tell you it's never going to happen. But anybody who's lived life long enough, you know unexpected fields are always out there, and you gotta you gotta get ready. And he says, I'm gonna send you to them. And then Joseph said, This, I'm ready to go. Turn to somebody and ask them this: Are you ready? Are you ready? Because some people, listen, there's two different types of people when it comes to getting ready. 
there's a, the, the preppers and the panickers. How many preppers in the house do I have? You're prepping, you're getting ready. How many panickers, huh? Yeah, okay, a lot of you are panicking. You're like, I'm not even raising my hand. It just sends panic. Oh, I can't breathe. I mean, you think about just even coming to church today, the panickers and the preppers. You, those of you that are preppers for church, night before, laying the clothes out. You're checking your weather app. Oh, it's going to be a little chilly in the morning. Going to need a little jacket. Got it all laid out, ready to go. Set your alarm. Got up in time. Got yourself ready, ready to go. Panickers. You never checked the weather. You didn't lay out any clothes. You didn't even set an alarm today. Like you just got up and you're like, ah, kids are singing today. Ah! You're running around, whatever you can grab, whatever you can find, you're putting it on, you're throwing it on, you're getting out the door. They said they're singing at about 10:15. I think we can make it. I think we can make it. And you're rushing down in the back seat of the kid car. One of the kids is like, Mom, Mom, just stop. We're almost there. Mom, Mom, just stop. Mom, what is it? I don't have any pants on. I mean, there's, you know, there's two different types of people, preppers and panickers. And the truth is, is that so many people are ill-prepared for forgotten fields. And then life hits them, and they get sideswiped, and when the unexpected happens, they can't move forward. And, and, and they become overwhelmed, and they get stuck. And you wonder, man, maybe there's some event that happened decades ago, and you're still there. God doesn't want you staying there. He wants to help you to move out of those unexpected fields. He doesn't want you stuck back there. He wants you to move forward. So how was Joseph able to rise above the unexpected and move forward? Look, let's look at a couple things here. Go all the way back to the beginning of the story. Look at verse 5. A couple things we're going to go through these. Joseph had a dream Joseph had a dream. Unexpected fields are dream killers. We read it earlier in, in verse 20. The brother said, hey, let's not kill, let, let, let's kill him and let's see what becomes of this dreamer. Unexpected fields are dream killers. Unfulfilled hopes and expectations are left there in the killing field. But Joseph, what's interesting, Joseph never lost sight of the dream that God gave him. God had given him a promise. God had given him a dream and a vision of what his life was going to be. And even when he was in that well, he kept that vision in front of him. He gets sold off to the traders. He keeps the vision in front of him. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He gets falsely accused. He ends up in prison. But he's keeping the vision and the promise of God in front of him. Write this down. Expect promises. Expect God's promises in unexpected fields. Expect God's promises in unexpected fields. In about 600 BC, Israel had been enslaved and they were exiled to Babylon. And they'd been there almost 70 years, enslaved far from their home. 70, almost 70 years. They look up and they're not where they're supposed to be. The promise, the, the nation set apart, all the words, all the, all the hope, all the things that they knew, all the things that had been spoken over them, and now they are slaves in a foreign land. And God 
speaks through the prophet Isaiah near the end of this exile, and he gives them this vision and this dream and this promise in the middle of their unexpected field. Isaiah 43, 19, God says this, I am about to do something new. Turn to somebody and tell them, get ready. Get ready. God is about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Say it with me. Do you not see it? Like if you can't see a way out of your field, I want to encourage you, get alone with God and get a promise from God. If I like, I can't see it, I don't, I don't know how to move, I don't know if it's there, all I see is the bad, you gotta pull back, you gotta get alone with God, you gotta carve out some space, you may need to take time to fast, to pray, cut off the world, say I'm getting alone with my God, I'm listening for his voice, I'm gonna bury my face in the scriptures and I'm gonna grab a hold of a promise. You gotta get a hold of a promise Get a hold of a vision and a dream, and you got to keep that in front of you. You're dealing with a broken relationship, you got to get a promise. You got to keep that in front of you. Man, your career is upside down, your finances are out of control. You got that, that you've dealt with abuse in your, ba- in, your, in, your, in your baggage, and you don't know, I don't know what to do with that. You've got to get a promise from God, and you got to keep it in front of you. You got a dream that you're waiting on and waiting on and waiting on. You got to keep the promise of God in front of you. Oh, I know what I see. I know what's happening. I know it's all looking like it's working against me, but I have a promise that God has given me, and I'm going to stand on it, and I'm going to watch for it until he comes through. This is who our God is. This is what he wants to do. Verse 24. Says they, they, they grabbed him, his brothers, they threw him into the cistern, and, 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 and he says, now the cistern was empty, and say this with me, what? There was no water in it. This is a hopeless situation. Like Joseph, it's, not only is he in the bottom of this well, but there's no water. He can't crawl out of it. He's just going to die. There's no way out. But Joseph was not alone in that well, and you are not alone in your unexpected field. Scripture tells us if you read the story moving forward, it has this beautiful moment several times where it just, when Joseph would be in the lowest point, and it said these simple words, the Lord was with Joseph. Encourage somebody around you and just tell them God is with you. Would you just encourage somebody by you? Tell them, man, God is, God is with you. Write, write this down. Expect God's presence in unexpected fields. Not, not only can you expect God's promise in unexpected fields, but you can expect God's presence in unexpected fields. When I was talking with my friend who lost his baby, and I just asked him to just kind of describe that, and he said it was just such a confusing time. And he said, um, we were <laughs> hurting. And it felt like the pain was never going to stop. And he's a, a follower of Jesus, and so I asked him, I said, how did you... <laughs> How did, how, did, how did you navigate that? How did you get through that, that, that just brutal moment of life? And he said, oh, a couple things. He said, number one, God's presence. He said, I just, my wife and I, we just never lost sight that God was with us. 
that God was there, that God was somehow helping us and comforting us. But he said there was another thing too. It wasn't just God's presence, but he said the second thing was this, the presence of God's people. So this is why we show up. This is why you're in the house. This is why you're in a core group. This, this is why you don't just stay home. This is why you gather every single week and show up week after week after week. This is why you grind it out with your core group week after week after week. This is why you gather with people that love Jesus week after week after week after week and you say, no, I will not be alone. I'm gonna be around people because people need you. Your presence is needed. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I need you. I need you. Some of you, yeah, some of you turn to your spouse right now, take advantage of that right now. I need you, baby. Yes, I need you. Some of y'all ain't married and you turn around. That's about time he said that. I need you. Let's check it out later. Give me some digits. We need one another. We, we need to be around one another because somebody, he said, man, there were people praying for us. Our group was surrounding us. I mean, there, they, people show up on our doorstep. We got cards. We got phone calls. You need God's presence, and you need the presence of God's people. Here's the thing about God's presence. God does not stand idly by on the edge of the field watching you from a distance. That is not our God. I don't know what your picture is of God, but that's not our God. In fact, the Christmas season reminds us, oh, yeah, God with us. God entered into our broken world. He came out of the heavenlies, did not have to, left his throne, and came to live among us. This is what God does in the middle of unexpected fields. Nothing better than, I, listen, I will take his promise all day long. I'm going to keep his promise in front of me all day long. But I'm telling you, give me his presence. I need his presence I need to know in the middle of when I'm shaken, he is unshakable. I, I need to know in the middle of my confusion and my doubt that he is steadfast. When God is standing in the field with me, I don't have to worry because I don't know how to navigate out of this field. I don't know when I'm going to get out of this field, but my God is in this field with me. Oh, I'm in good shape and I'm in good company because he is going to lead me out of this field and he's going to walk with me. This is who our God is, his, his presence and his, and his power. Back in Isaiah 43, when they were in captivity, God went on to say this, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create, say it with me, what? Rivers in the dry wasteland. In other words, God can fill a dry well. Jacob is in the, or Joseph is in this dry well, and God's like, I can fill a dry well. I can make a pathway, not out of the wilderness, but out of your field. Jesus said it this way in, in John's gospel, John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus talked about his presence is a living water. Woo! Jesus' presence is like living water. Jesus' presence is like a river quenching your thirst in a dry, forgotten field. That's a good place to say amen. That's who our God is. That's what he will do. But often the, the path out of the unexpected field is not what we expect. 
Like, I, I have my path. You get, everybody got your path? You know what I mean? Like, you, you, you're dealing with this unexpected field, and, and you know this is how we're going to navigate out of this. I'm going to do this, and then this is going to happen. And then, and then, and then I'm going to make this phone call, or I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to submit this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act this way, and then this is going to happen. How, how many times does that happen for you? Like, hardly ever. Sometimes it actually makes it worse. So Joseph, so often, okay, let me say this. Looking back on the unexpected fields that you have found yourself in, when you look back on where you were and what God brought you through, is that, is that exactly how you saw it in your mind before? Like never. Yeah, thank you, Buddy Davis. Never. Not one time. I, every single time. It's crazy. I see God. I'm like, okay, God, here's X, Y, and Z. And then I always look back on the way God performed a miracle, and I'm like, wow, I never saw it happening that way. And I'm telling you, God's way of doing is never the way we expect it. it the, the exit does not look the way that we think it should look, and it didn't for Joseph either. Like, look at his exit out of, out of the well. He has no hope of getting out of the well. God, get me out of this dry, forsaken well. God, rescue me. I have no way of rescuing myself. And here's the rescue plan. Verse 25. They, this is his brothers. They looked up and they saw a what? Say it with me. Caravan of camels. Joseph's rescue party is a caravan of camels. A caravan of slave traders. This is the rescue party that God sends it was a group of Ishmaelite traders. They've taken a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And the, what's interesting in this story that you got to pick up on is a little thing that you didn't even catch here is they were carrying gum and balm and resin. That, that was used for healing. That was sold to physicians and used in people's physical healing. It was called the balm of Gilead. Everybody wanted it. What Joseph didn't realize and he didn't see is that his healing was right there on the caravan. Your healing, the thing you're looking for, you're watching for, is right there in the least unexpected place. Write this last thing down. Expect God's healing power in unexpected places. Expect God's healing power in unexpected places. Each step for Joseph seemed like a step backwards. Think about it. He has this dream. I'm going to be an authority. I'm going to be a great leader. God has a vision, and he has this plan. He's given it to me. He's put it into my heart, and my brothers have just ripped this robe off of me, and now I'm in a well. This is going in the wrong direction. This is not how it's supposed to be. And then the next step towards his dream is a caravan of slave traders. This is going the wrong direction, God. My dream is out over there, and I seem to be getting further from it. Then he ends up in, the, in a home, and he gets falsely accused, and now he's in prison. And he's sitting there in prison as far removed and as far from his dream as he could ever imagine, or is he? 
So many of you know the story. If you don't know the story, it was there in prison that he he had these dreams that he was able to interpret for Pharaoh. So Pharaoh calls for him from the depths of prison, pulls him out of prison, brings him into the palace and says, tell me these dreams. And he tells him the dreams. And Pharaoh's so impressed with Joseph, so impressed with his leadership that he makes Joseph second in command of all of Egypt. This is what God can do if you allow him. Every step you think you're taking that's in the wrong direction, if you are a child of God and you have God with you and you have his promise and you have his presence and you have his healing power with you, it is a step towards your healing. It may not look like it. It may not seem like it. God, but I, I, I did what you told me to do and now they're even angrier. God, I, I sent this, and I still can't move forward. God, I was, I was believing for this, and I was trusting for this, but now I got a second report, and a third report, and a fourth report. It's getting worse, God. And God says, rest in my healing power. Rest in my promise. Rest in my presence. It doesn't make sense, but God says, if you trust me, if you walk with me and you're in the middle of an unexpected field, just hold on to my promise. If you don't have a promise, get in the word, get that promise today. Get a hold of it. Get a vision from God for your future of seeing that relationship healed, seeing your future bright, seeing that dream become a reality, seeing those things that God has put in your heart as if they are so. Oh, it does look like this, but I'm believing and I'm seeing a different picture of what it could be and what I believe one day it will be so. But they're doing this, God, and this is happening and this is making, no, 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 I know, I know, but God says it's all a setup. Because every step backwards with God is a step closer to the dreams and the promises and the vision he has for you. Would you stand? We're going to start to prepare our hearts for this time of communion and the sacraments. Before we do, I want us to sing together and worship together. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would speak to us now and that you would heal us in your name.